this is Jackie Tan and welcome to the Bodies Built Better podcast. On the show, I chat with experts, athletes, coaches and ordinary people doing extraordinary things. We explore the body's incredible ability to heal, adapt and evolve so you can crush limitations, reconnect your body and mind and discover your extraordinary potential. And before we get into this episode, I want to give a big shout out to my incredible sponsor, the Heavily Meditated app. Heavily Meditated is your down-to-earth meditation app for getting high on life. Packed with guided meditations as short as five minutes and up to 25 minutes, there is a meditation for everyone. I start my day with a five-minute energizer and I love a lunchtime whole worthy and wise meditation. The app is gorgeous and has affirmations for a hint of inspiration as well. And for less than $6 a month when you sign up annually, it's honestly one of the best investments that you can make for yourself. Check out the Heavily Meditated app. Today on the show, I chat with fitness and nutrition coach and researcher, Emma Story Gordon. Emma is fantastic at not only helping her clients achieve their fitness goals, but more importantly, her education around fitness, nutrition and mindset is what's seeing her clients create long-term sustainable changes. She has an incredible following on Instagram for very obvious reasons as she is constantly answering questions so everyone has the ability and opportunity to start making well-informed, positive changes immediately. She is down-to-earth, generous with her time and teachings, and I'm a huge stalker. I mean fan. I'm a big fan of hers. This episode is for everyone as Emma has excellent advice around mindset and throws in some pretty hilarious analogies as well. So enjoy this episode with Emma Story Gordon. Emma, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I'm very excited to have you here. I think you're pretty awesome and you have this great ability to make nutrition digestible. Sorry, I had oh, to that out. See what you did there? I liked it. <laughs> it's the only pun I got. I swear, <laughs> but I had to put that in there. But you're always answering questions over on your Instagram. I just love the way that, um, you know, we can learn from you and make really well-informed decisions because of that. And, you know, where we get answers to questions we didn't even know we had because of that so it's really awesome so thank you for taking the time to chat with me today oh it's an absolute pleasure thank you very much for having me oh pleasure's mine um let's get straight in for those who don't know too much about you how did you get into your fitness and nutrition journey okay so I think probably similar to quite a lot of people like I've always been interested in sport and then I went to university and I studied sports science and it was only really in the last year that I realized I was less interested in most sports scientists work in sort of elite level sport but I was much more interested in how actually quite small changes could have huge impacts on people who are pretty sedentary or had things like type 2 diabetes cardiovascular disease So after university, I went and worked in cardiovascular disease and diabetes research for a couple of years while being a personal trainer as well. And then I kind of fell out of love with the research world and a lot of lab work and decided to start my own business. And essentially what's really cool that I've been able to do is bring together all the things that I really like doing and pay myself to do them, which is a really (laughs) sweet gig that I've, I've managed to do. So I run a nutrition course with my business partner, Amelia, which is called EIQ Nutrition. That allows me to still geek out on a lot of things, uh, keep up to date with the research and still have that sciencey background. And I run a coaching program. I run numerous coaching programs, actually helping people lose weight on the surface of it, but also teach them a hell of a lot about nutrition, change their mindset around nutrition a bit and enjoy the process as they're doing it. Uh, And I also run a mentorship for personal trainers. So I kind of get to do a lot of different things, which keeps me 
engaged and interested and yeah that's and really busy (laughs) yeah pretty busy well I love the mindset part of nutrition and fitness so we'll get into that in a moment but I know you had a back injury not long ago can you tell us about that so I really wish there was like a cool story so it's like yeah so I was squatting (laughs) 150 kilograms and suddenly my back went all like I was doing this really cool crossfit workout literally nothing happened so I've always had a bit of a bad back and I used to row at uni so like crew rowing and I think it just got worse and worse doing that and then I mean this is years and years after uni now but I think I actually this is kind of ironic but I kind of decided right once and for all I'm gonna rehab my back and I went to a physio and I went to do it properly and I started doing all these exercises and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I thought this normally when it gets a little bit worse, I'm like, right, this is when I normally stop. So this time I'll, I'll like push through that. And, and maybe that's part of the process. Like it's meant to hurt a little bit. No, no, <laughs> bad idea. In hindsight, maybe should not have done that. But basically it just got worse and worse. And I think what had happened is, I don't know if it like my back was very painful, but like protected what was going on down there, which, and it, I don't know it kind of loosened all that up and essentially a disc was like impinging on my sciatic nerve so for a while I couldn't even sit down could barely walk really awkward at times because like I could walk a bit and then I'd have to bend down so it looked like I'd just be walking along the street and then like squatting at the side of the road like being weird my shoe it was so strange I remember being in Tesco once as well like the supermarket and uh, this girl that I don't really know that well, I was like, oh, hi, how are you? Like, I, I had to like, bend down. <laughs> I was like, yeah, just looking at this, uh, the crisps on the bottom shelf here. Very interesting down here. So like, there was loads of things like that. Um, yeah. But then I had surgery, which has worked extremely well, touch wood. Um, and there was the whole rehab process around that but it did teach me a hell of a lot and you know looking back as a bit of a silver lining it both it's definitely made me a better coach in terms of being more empathetic in terms of understanding what being in chronic pain is like because it's it's, if you haven't been in chronic pain it's very hard to understand that and how fatiguing that is and how exhausting that is and yeah it made me do quite a lot of things so I don't know if you're the same, but my coping mechanism, everyone has different coping mechanisms, whether that's food for some people, alcohol for some people. And these coping mechanisms can be positive or negative. And actually, you know, having some is good, but the best thing to do is actually face what you're dealing with instead of just trying to numb it with something else. But mine was definitely exercise. And most people see that as a good thing. Okay, well, yeah, that's great. Go and get your emotion out at the gym and mm. I think to an extent that's great but if you're just using it all the time and and like kind of literally running away from your feelings it can be a negative so this injury really forced me to stop doing that and to sort of take a bit of time out it's probably the long well it's definitely the longest time that I've not been able to exercise uh, and I went to therapy and yeah it, I think it's definitely made me in numerous ways a better person uh and I learned a lot about myself so yeah it it wasn't all negative yeah in terms of the recovery what was that like and were there differences between the recovery after surgery and that physical therapy prior to the surgery were there similarities in in those at all so what was actually quite strange is there wasn't really a rehab program I haven't done much rehab for my back so the surgery I got and the surgeon that I went to was very much like this is the problem and you know part of your back is hitting the nerve we essentially this is a very basic way to explain it but we chop off that bit of your back it doesn't hit the nerve the problem is gone so all most of my recovery has just been like obviously the initial recovery after surgery and being very careful and then just slowly getting back into things. And a lot of it was psychological. So pain doesn't necessarily mean there's a tissue problem all the time. And once you've had an injury for a long period of time, the pain can persist even if the tissue injury is healed. Mm. 
-hmm. And I had a lot of that and sort of anxiety around moving or re-injuring myself or the expectation of pain. Like every time I used to bend down, I'd have pain. And I still had that pain because of the expectation of that pain. And that was part of what I worked on is like rewiring that. And part of that was like going to therapy and like Mm -hmm. working through those kind of things and, and like the fear of that. And I noticed still, but I mean, noticing things is probably the first step to changing things. But as soon as I even get a twinge in my back, like my mood is hell. <laughs> like awful. Even now? It, I mean, I'm a little bit better now because I noticed that's happening. And I'm like, right, you don't need to over catastrophize this. But normally I'm like, oh, I feel a tiny bit of pain. I'm like, that's it. Back downhill, back to like where I was. Yeah. And I, a lot of me looks back and I'm like, I'm actually not quite sure how I got through that because it, it did get really really bad and I'm like, I don't know if I would have the I mean I would do it again of course I would everyone gets through things but yeah I don't want to have to go back there through so, that yeah yeah do you feel like you're better equipped now though to go through it I mean hopefully you don't have to but I would say yes and no like I think sometimes the unknown is quite Mm. good (laughs) like I didn't realize it was going to be that bad I didn't know you know you don't know what's going to happen you kind of just go with things I didn't really know that I was going to need surgery I didn't know all these things and you just get on and you take each day as it comes Mm. which is generally how I live life anyway but I think if you have a realistic expectation of potentially what might happen that sometimes a worse thing you know and they say when you're training for a marathon or something they're like don't don't run the full marathon Mm. just do that on the day like maybe you do I don't know 18 miles or something but you don't do the full 25 24 26 somewhere around there (laughs) yeah something like that you don't do the full marathon because that last bit you probably don't need to know how painful that is (laughs) (laughs) yeah I need to experience that no um all right well let's get into mindset because obviously that's a big part of uh anyone's journey in 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 weight loss or or fitness or in fact anything in life (laughs) yeah life throws things at you um so when looking at setting fitness goals to begin with what do you believe is the mindset we need to adopt before starting I think a trap that a lot of people fall into is wishing away time until they reach that goal or thinking that it's going to be an awful process until they reach that goal or delaying happiness until they weigh X amount or stop not doing something until they weigh X amount, something like that. That's a problem. I think enjoying the journey mm-hmm. is so important because for a lot of these things, I mean, if, if your goal is building muscle as a female, It's going to take a long time. And if you don't enjoy it, you won't stick to it. Simple as that. Yeah. So I think not wishing time away till you get to that destination uh, and having that, you know, positive mindset that this this can be fun and enjoyable and you should enjoy the journey because actually you're probably going to have to do this for longer than you expect to get the result that you want. And it's not really about reaching that result. Like this is going to sound a bit wishy-washy, but any goal that you set both massively matters and doesn't matter at all at the same time so really the goal is like a direction and it gives you a bit of focus but if you meet that goal or not doesn't really matter and actually when you reach it you probably won't feel any different so who you become in the journey to getting there is far more important than if you get there or not that's partly why like setting big goals is quite good because that gives you a long-term focus like say your business goal is to earn a million pounds in a year great when you get there it won't feel as sweet as what you think you'll be like oh okay I hit that goal that's nice but who you become and what you do to get Mm. there and how many people you've helped like as a personal trainer how many people you've helped to get to earning that amount of money that's what matters that's what's incredible so the same is true with like a fat loss goal and I hate scale weight targets but say you have a scale weight target do you think you're going to feel different when you weigh 60 kilograms compared to when you weighed 62 no it's completely arbitrary that that was like the number in your head but who you become in the process of and how healthy you become in the process of getting there that's like that's what you're looking for yeah so another um analogy for this is like if you imagine a road trip 
and you're you're constantly thinking about getting to the destination you're like oh, I can't wait to get to the destination that's the end of the trip right you're meant to enjoy the journey yeah and stop worrying so much about getting to the destination so that's what I would say and I completely understand why people have these connotations around dieting or fat loss or losing weight that it's going to be hard horrible like diet mm. cultures kind of push that onto us that you should be suffering and then you've got one side diet culture of like do a 600 uh, calorie a day diet or yeah. just eat vegetables or juice all your meals or something like that and or then on the other this side tea. yeah drink this tea and shit yourself all right <laughs> <laughs> but- and then on the other side which I don't think particularly helps either is like bodybuilders who are like you need to grind really hard you need to get up at 6am if you Mm. haven't got results you don't want it hard enough and I'm like right but there's this huge like gray area in the middle that I would call sensible and enjoyable (laughs) dieting and dieting is meant to make you feel better not worse if you're overweight and you lose weight you should feel like well if you're resistance training as well like stronger happier you can move better you're healthier all these things like you should have more energy Mm. not less and I think if you're doing it right you'll realize that you feel so much better yeah and it's sustainable Mm. yeah what about those who are scared to start and I guess I mean those who are scared because of health concerns because I know there um you know I've had some women in the past who have had thyroid issues and don't want to either aggravate it or, or make it worse or, um, or, or things like that. And, you know, or someone's got an injury and, and they're just afraid to make it worse, much like, you know, your thoughts around that surgery and, and that fear of that coming back. Yeah, I would say firstly, and there's a couple of things here, start slowly. If, it, if it's something to do with thyroid or your metabolism or PCOS or anything like that they actually bent they're benefited by exercise mm. so absolutely if you're unsure of anything speak to your doctor get their okay first and make sure you're working with someone who's confident and maybe has experience working with the conditions that you're dealing with and honestly if you have an injury go and see a specialist about that injury and make sure that you're doing the right things but yeah start and start slow and and that's how you build confidence in anything and anything that you're scared of doing you just you know toe just outside that comfort zone and then once you're just outside that comfort zone that becomes your new comfort zone and then you go a little bit further like if you're terrified of going to the gym at the moment fine can you do some workouts at home okay now you're a little bit more confident that you can exercise great now can we add on some resistance training to that cool now can you just go into the gym just do just go in and then you can leave again like go in and get an induction or just go in and just experience what it's like and then leave you don't have to do anything and you're just building that little comfort zone you don't have to suddenly walk into the gym into the weights area with all the men and feel completely yeah. intimidated and never want to go back again you can just take small steps to get there mm. let's talk habits okay they seem pretty important <laughs> how do we start habits but I guess more importantly how do we keep them yeah habits are a big one in the fitness industry have you read atomic habits by james clear i have it i have not read it yet so that's a biggie and i think people read that and they're like this is this is like this is it it's habits everything is habits i actually don't agree with it only because and this is some of this is like semantics but i think it's important (laughs) so the definition of a habit is something that is like well, habitual but doesn't require effort so you might say like a habit I mean sometimes habits can be negative as well like our oh, habit might be like sucking my thumb I don't even notice that I'm doing it and then oh god I'm sucking my thumb yeah like that will never be diet and exercise it will always take effort and I think giving the notion that at some point this will become completely easy and effortless is totally misleading to people Like even you as a personal trainer, I'm sure there are days you don't want to exercise. I'm sure there are days that (laughs) you'd rather get a takeout than make your own meal in the evening. It never becomes completely easy. (coughs) Sorry. You're all right. I'm hoping it's not. not Don't say it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. It's a Skype interview. (laughs) We're not in the same Um, room. So yeah, like I, I don't think it's habits, but I think it's routine. 
routine makes things a hell of a lot easier and that just being in your routine and that being almost part of your identity and part of something that you do so I'm an exerciser do you know what it's just normal for me to go to the gym three times a week I don't have to put a huge amount of effort into that but I'm not going to say it's completely effortless all the time and I think the expectation that habits oh if you do something for 30 days or 90 days or whatever amount of days six days there you go 66 days depending on what the habit is if you do it for that long oh it just becomes a habit and you'll just do it that isn't true that's that doesn't happen yeah but it can become part of your routine and routine is important and routine does make things a lot easier and it means that part of it's like taking away the decision fatigue for you so instead of kind of stressing every week oh when will I fit this in when will I fit that in how am I going to do this and this it just becomes like something that you do and we're not saying that it's going to ever be effortless but it does become easier how do you make it a part of your routine by by consistently doing it and there are things you can do like you can well one plan ahead you can make it the easiest option so this is something that James Clears talks about in his book is setting things out so actually the action that you want to take is the easiest action so let's say you really let's say you've been like I'm gonna exercise in the morning as soon as I get up but for the last three mornings you're like oh that actually didn't happen okay well why don't you set out all your workout stuff before you go to bed so it's actually harder for you not to work out or if you're like I want to go to the gym in the morning and then most mornings that hasn't been happening okay well can you go to your car and put your work stuff in in your car so that you would literally have to go out of your way to get your work stuff and come back inside and get changed if you weren't going to the gym otherwise you're just going to drive to the gym with your work stuff have a shower and get changed there you have to go out of your way to to like not do the action that you want to do so you can sort of sway yourself in certain directions Mm. and and create an environment that makes it easier for you to do the actions that you want that you've said to yourself that you're going to do yeah so when does motivation come into all of this uh does it (laughs) I think it does and I think motivation comes and goes but I think the misconception about motivation is that you need motivation to start and usually motivation actually comes after starting so action drives motivation rather than motivation drives action Mm. and it's a bit of a cycle and probably the most motivating thing you can do is start to see and feel results and you can't see and feel feel results until you've started Mm. so don't wait for motivation and also realize that motivation will come in waves and when it's there ride it that's freaking awesome but when it's not there that's when your routines kick in and this is why I I set clients like non-negotiables which are like baseline quite low level things so for example mine are exercise three times a week I normally train five times a week they're get 10,000 steps in a day I normally get about 12,000 steps in a day they're make sure I have three decent meals a day with a, a source of protein at each meal I normally have four like but at least I've got like a baseline okay yeah. if, if I have a really busy week instead of getting five sessions in I'm still hitting my three Brilliant. And that's how you get long-term results. So you're not always setting yourself up for like failure, essentially by saying, I'm always going to train every single day. Mm. It's, it's unrealistic. Life will get in the way. Yeah. But if you can say, okay, well, my, my minimum is I want to get in three a week. It doesn't matter if it's a home workout. doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes. I'm still going to get in three a week because that's what I've said to myself is my baseline. That's what I'm going to do consistently. And if you do more, great. Okay. But on those weeks that you have like, quote unquote, low motivation or there's other life stress going on, you at least know that you're ticking the boxes and you're still moving forward. I've been one in the past to have really high motivation and then it's go all in (laughs) and then you crash and then it's Mm -hmm. go all out and everything just seems to stop. So this... (laughs) all or nothing mentality how how can we change that is is it just a matter of getting into that routine I think the first thing for changing anything is one realizing you can do it you can change so I think a lot of the time we think that personality is set so like oh I'm just an all or nothing person I'm just a perfectionist nothing I can do about it 
no no you're, you're choosing to stay there once yeah. you've noticed what it is you're, you're choosing to stay there which is fine but you have to own that choice so if you've decided I don't like my all or nothing traits or I've noticed that they don't get me anywhere they're not beneficial to me now you've noticed it now you can start changing it so it's realizing your behaviors first like you can't change something that you haven't really noticed if you're like okay hmm yeah I am pretty all or nothing and actually that tends to mean I'm just really on a diet and then really off a diet and it's a bit of a cycle and it's not getting me anywhere great now we can work on changing that and one way to do that is to set those sort of baseline Mm. non-negotiables um and and just to start questioning yourself so like the typical thing will be you've been really quote unquote good on your diet all week and then someone offers you a cookie and you're like okay I'll have a cookie and then you think oh well I've had one now so may as well eat the rest okay well you stop there and you're like does that make any logical sense whatsoever like would I do that in other situations would I I don't know spill a little bit of milk and then be like well may as well pour all the milk all over the table no of course not like other examples like would you have one flat tire and then just think may as well slash all my tires because one of them is flat it doesn't make any sense yet we do it with our diets So it's questioning your behaviors and then also remembering, okay, what are the fundamentals here for if fat loss is my goal, what's the fundamental? I need to be over time and day to day doesn't really matter. Over time, I need to create an energy deficit so that my body's forced to use its own stores of energy for fuel, AKA my body fat for fuel. Will one cookie make a difference? Absolutely not. But will then eating the rest of these mean that I'm potentially not in a deficit this week yeah maybe so actually maybe I should stop here and realize that just one fine but eating them all not so fine um and and the impact that it has because it's not normally I mean even to a larger extent it's it's not even the whole packet of cookies that you eat it's your mindset after it it's well I've ruined everything now I might as well just eat crap for the rest of the weekend and then I feel like crap on Monday and then often that even turns into bit of a binge restrict cycle so on Monday you're like right I'm gonna see if I can eat 800 calories for the rest of the week that will make up for what happened on the weekend and inevitably by the next weekend you're like I am literally starving so you overeat again and you get into this cycle of overindulgence over restriction and you're constantly fighting if you are listening and you're in that cycle the reason that people can't get out of it is because you're constantly focusing on avoiding overindulgence so you're like oh I don't want to overeat this weekend I'll try and be really really strict And what you need to do is focus on removing the over restriction because that is what's causing the overindulgence. So you're looking at, it's essentially treating the symptom, not the cause. Mm. If you treat the cause, then you won't overindulge. So stop the over restriction if you're stuck in that cycle and that, that should hopefully help you get out of it. And I know that's easier said than done from a psychological level, but that's, that's the way out of that situation. in terms of the all or nothing what about when you flip it to the fitness side of things and uh, can we exercise to our detriment can we get too obsessive with how much we exercise how much we miss what that's going to mean for us and even even in times or even in times like you know these days with COVID and the lockdown which is already placing a stress on us can we exercise too much or to our detriment oh yeah absolutely and how do we be aware how are we aware of that if if our mindset is this is going to help me yeah I think being it's hard because you're like exercise is good well Mm. too much of a good thing is no longer a good thing essentially and if you're someone who's doing hours and hours a day potentially and you're stressed out about reducing it, it's probably a good sign that you do need to reduce it. Um, Another thing that I think really helps me, and I used to be someone who trained twice a day, and I dropped my training to five times a week, and I noticed absolutely no difference in my physique. I was literally just spinning my wheels for half the workouts I was doing. And when you realize the physiology of exercise and how exercise is, is a stimulus, So you're putting a stress on your body so that it can adapt to that stress. Now, the more and more stress you put on that body, you don't get more and more adaptation because 
you've saturated the response there. So an example I like to give, and I don't actually know if this is particularly good, but knowing you're standing at the traffic lights, do you have this in Australia where you press the button? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> have this in Australia? Do you have roads over there? Like I have actually been to Sydney, but yes, I, don't, I don't remember if it's the same like button press, but anyway, you press the button and essentially a timer comes on. So it's like a timer and at some point the traffic will stop and you'll be able to cross the road. Now, some people just keep pressing the button because they're like, oh, this will make it faster. (laughs) It doesn't. Like it's one timer. It's been saturated. That's how long it will take. Yeah, It's kind of similar with exercise. Not exactly the same, but it's very similar in that once you've saturated that response, doing more and more isn't better. And at some point it becomes worse. So that would be the point of like overtraining and actually you have mm-hmm. negative adaptations to that because you're exercising so much your body can't recover from it and that's especially important when you know we all want to be fit and healthy and have good immune systems at the moment and if you're overtraining mm-hmm. that impacts your immune system so if you do catch something you're much less likely to be able to fight it off efficiently so there are numerous reasons why you don't want to overtrain but when you really get your head around this law of diminishing returns that happens with exercise you can see that on both sides, you can see that one, doing more and more isn't beneficial. And two, the other side of that, I think a lot of people are like, well, I don't have time to exercise. And I'm like, do you have 15 minutes in your day? Like, well, yeah, but I don't have time to do an hour at the gym. Okay, you you don't need to do an hour at the gym. Like you will get a huge benefit from 15 minutes of exercise. And in fact, there's like incredible research on the link between health and exercise. And this graph shows really nicely the benefit of the first one hour of exercise you do for the whole week. So you see this massive increase in health. I mean, this is done on all cause mortality. So that's essentially your risk of dying of anything. Um, a, A huge benefit. And then after that one hour, it kind of like there is still a bit of a benefit to doing more, but it kind of plateaus out in the and week. If you think of exercise. Yeah. Of the whole week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So your first hour, there's probably nothing out. In fact, I'm going to put it out there. There's definitely nothing else more beneficial you could do with one hour in your week than exercise. And it doesn't have to be one hour together. It could be 15 minutes, four times a week. Cool. You've hit your hour of exercise. You'll get huge, huge benefits from that. And I think people don't realize the benefit of that. And they just think, well, if I can't get to the gym for a full hour, there's no point going. Totally. You're probably getting the vast majority of that hour's workout in your first like 15, 20 minutes of that workout. From Have you heard of the 80-20 principle as well? Yes. Yeah. So that probably works in most cases in life, but essentially that you're getting 80% of your results from 20% of the effort. So if you're doing an hour's workout, you're probably getting most of the benefit from quite a small amount of that workout. Yeah. And so it's it, my point from talking about that isn't that you shouldn't train for an hour. Like you're, you're still going to get more benefit. It's the law of diminishing returns. It's not the law of no returns whatsoever. <laughs> but <laughs> you, you will get a huge benefit from doing a small amount. And I think that's motivating to people who maybe lack time and think that there's no point doing it if they, they can't do a full workout. Totally. Absolutely. I have to ask with your experience, when you cut back instead of doing that two times a day and you cut back, did you change anything else like in terms of how much you were consuming, um, anything like that? Uh, not knowingly. So I don't really track my calorie intake. I didn't have a fat loss goal. So I wasn't like particularly looking at my exact calorie intake, but I went from, yeah, basically I changed jobs. So I was working full-time as a personal trainer and then I worked full-time in a lab. So when I was working as a personal trainer, I'd get in early, you know, I'd do a couple of clients, then I'd train and I'd do a couple of clients and then I'd train after work. Yeah. Like it, you know just just part of your who knows why but that's why I did yeah (laughs) you were there (laughs) um apparently I didn't have a life um and then when I worked at the lab there was no way I could do that much so I I was training about five times a week and that happened quite quickly and yeah I just didn't notice any difference whatsoever apart from you know (laughs) having a hell of a lot more time outside (laughs) of the gym but now if I've, re- I've um, reduced my training 
like I I used to still spend like and part of this is just enjoyment so I'm not saying it's bad to spend an hour and a half in the gym but now I'm probably in and out within about 40 to 60 minutes Mm -hmm. and I just do quite short sharp sessions and probably in the best shape that I've been in in years and years so yeah you don't have to do a lot especially if you're doing the quote-unquote right things or you're just making those workouts quite efficient you're not doing fluffy exercises that you've seen on Instagram and you're actually sticking to the <laughs> basics of what actually builds muscle yeah. as opposed to well yeah. let's break that down <laughs> since you brought it up <laughs> yeah I, I think people do get excited with new or different exercises or <laughs> like 50 exercises in one so they've made this whole crazy dance routine and it's one rep <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I mean sometimes I do that for clients because I'm like well you know it's only one exercise and they're like but essentially it's a squat a press another squat I'm like no no it's just one one. um but yeah I think there's this still this notion that goes around that you need to what do they call it like keep the muscle guessing or change your program all the time or keep doing different exercises and actually the basics are the basics because they work and you don't need to keep changing things up. And, and I think some people change their programs too often. And that actually means they never really see progress because they're constantly changing things up mm. and actually sticking to the same program for a decent amount of time will give you better results. And I mean, you could probably stick to it infinitely, really, as long as you're progressively overloading and as long as you're still lifting more yeah. weights what does tend to happen is you get a bit bored, which is fine. Like part of going to the gym is enjoyment. It's doing something a bit different. It's testing yourself in a different way. That That's quite motivating when you get a new workout plan. You're like, oh, I'm going to try out all this new stuff. Like, I didn't know I could do that. That's great. But don't do that every week. Like stick to something for like eight weeks, mm. get good at it and then change your program. Um, but I, yeah, I think there's a lot of, oh, try this special new exercise for glutes which is essentially just like kickbacks again or something and and, you know you should still be doing squats deadlifts bench some kind of press lateral raises bicep you know like the basics because they're the ones that work yeah and it comes back to what you were saying before in terms of making it as easy as possible for yourself so that you do Mm -hmm. do it yeah removing all all um obstacles and what better way yeah. to do that is to keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, because that's what's getting you results as well. It's the same yeah. with nutrition. Like you can worry about grams of carbs compared to grams of fats and blah, blah, blah. And all this mm. it doesn't make any difference whatsoever. If, you know, fat loss is your goal, then stick to the fundamentals because that's what's getting you results. Mm. And don't worry about the rest of it and don't overcomplicate things that don't need to be overcomplicated. Yeah. Well, let's talk about setting goals. You said that they're important. So how do we decide on a goal? You know, what should we do in order for it to be hard enough to challenge us, but not so much that it's completely out of our reach and potentially demotivates you? Yeah, I think setting numerous goals. So maybe one big overarching goal and then smaller goals on the way to get there that's quite motivating um or maybe because yeah sometimes the big goals you can be like (coughs) you kind of get paralysis by analysis or or you're like oh you know I let's say I've got 50 pounds of fat to lose that's impossible I'll never be able to do that Mm. okay fine you think it's impossible but can you lose two pounds in the next month yeah oh yeah I could definitely do that okay cool let's focus on that let's hit that goal and it's just breaking them down like if you've never run before but you're like I really would like to run a marathon okay that might seem impossible to you at the moment but can you put your shoes on and get out and go for a five minute jog okay yeah I can do that so like looking at the next step I think having a big goal is really good even if you never reach it but don't have a big goal and then think oh that's so big I don't even know where to start Knowing yeah. where to start is so important. So what's what's the step I can take today that's going to get me closer to that big goal? And what I was talking about before, like it's the direction that's important. Mm. So whether you run the marathon or not, doesn't really matter. It's who you become. It's how fit you become. It's 
everything that like allows you to challenge yourself on the way to doing that that's what's important and it doesn't matter if you reach 50 pounds of fat loss or if you only get 48 like it does Mm. that doesn't matter yeah but it's the process of doing it so I would set the big goal and don't be scared to write down big goals and and to be like bullshit with it and don't let anyone like if anyone's laughing at your goal tell them they have small minds yeah like I mean it's (laughs) it's their problem not yours it says much more about them um but then have an action plan to get there and I would set like shorter term goals as well like this is something that we do with the mentors that I PT uh, that I am with the PTs that I mentor (laughs) not the mentors that I PT um where we set like big goals like some of them have really big goals but then it's like okay that that's fine but just saying that and this is the problem Mm. I have with like people who do like daily affirmations without any action affirmations only work with actions goals only work with actions so you need to set the big goal and then you need to say what do I need to do today to get me closer what do I need to do this week to get me closer what do I need to do this month this year depending on how big the goal is yeah those action steps and I think that's often what's missing when you set big goals it's Mm not the problem isn't that the goal is really big it's that you don't know the first step to take to get there yeah so I think identifying that is really important and then the other thing is which I'm not sure if you've noticed this but sometimes your clients might come to you and they're kind of like oh what do you think my goal should be (laughs) yeah no I'm not setting your goal like it has to come from you and it's completely I think sometimes it's frustrating until you explain it to someone but they're like oh but what like what do you think I'm like it does not it doesn't matter at all what I think like you know it has to come from you if it's not your why you'll never be motivated to get there if you're if you're sticking to a goal that I've given you it doesn't mean anything to you so it has to mean something to you and I think that's important as well like figuring out your why like why do you want to lose 50 pounds what do you think is going to happen when you lose 50 pounds is it for health is it for your family is it because you want to feel better do you want higher energy levels like what is your why and I think identifying that and actually writing that down is really important because then when you're on your way there like you're not disheartened like let's say you only get to you only lose 48 pounds for example but you're like okay but my why was I want to be stronger fitter healthier happier like enjoy time with my family more am I doing all those things yes okay you you've already hit your why so the end goal doesn't hugely Mm. matter and we're not gonna you know push forward for the next two pounds for absolutely no reason whatsoever and actually one of my clients I was speaking to yesterday she's uh she's very good at the whole mindset thing but she was talking about the importance of how did she phrase this anyway it's kind of the importance of knowing why you're doing something and she's talking about how she took her puppy to puppy training classes and at the end of the class there's like or at the end of the block there's like this test that your puppy has to pass and then you get a little certificate and it's like passed as puppy training it's just a piece of paper it means absolutely nothing like no one's <laughs> exactly. like checking that all yeah that all the puppies <laughs> have passed right. and that like there's no need to have it uh, I guess it's a nice thing at the end that yeah. people have got this certificate anyway her dog didn't pass so she didn't get the certificate she, then she was like okay why did I want to take my dog here I wanted it to be obedient I wanted it to be able to play with the kids I wanted it to be happy that it would come when I called it back and it wasn't mm. like unsafe near roads is all that true yes so why does it matter that I didn't get this certificate it doesn't matter at all and it's the same kind of principle it's like what did you want to do this for oh, I wanted to do it for all these reasons okay well you've achieved all those reasons so don't be pissed off that the scales don't say what you thought they were going to say yeah or that's huge your puppy like doesn't have this little certificate which would have been the bed anyway yeah exactly which you'd probably like, eat if you gave it to it yeah so that that's I think is a nice sort of way to frame it and I think mm. I mean there are so many reasons I hate scale weight goals but one of them as well is just that so many things influence your weight and if if say yeah. you've built five pounds of muscle on your way to losing 50 pounds of fat yeah the thing is you don't have 50 pounds of fat to lose anymore you've got you know 45 or you're gonna weigh maybe yeah you're gonna weigh five pounds more on the scales than had you not built that muscle so it's just Mm. like little things like that if you get too fixated on a number on the scales it can 
kind of hold you back and it can make you feel sour about the fact that you've actually done better I mean your body composition is going to be even better if you've been able to build muscle while you've lost fat so exactly yeah the huge one um let's get into the nutrition uh just some basics that I think everyone keeps asking and that's hydration you know how much should we be drinking um I think in general but then especially when we're adding exercise on top of that Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how much we can okay so here in the uk apart from it's actually been really hot recently but most of the time you probably don't need to like worry about excessively drinking so drinking more water is usually a good idea for most people because they don't drink enough water mm. but actually if you just drink to thirst your body's pretty good at telling you this so your body has this pretty amazing homeostatic mechanism where it's going to keep your hydration levels within a relatively tight um, range because that's what works best for your body. And if you're too dehydrated, there's negative consequences to that. That's why when you drink more, you pee more because your body wants to stay within this range. Mm-hmm. That's why when you don't drink very much, you don't pee very much because your body's maintaining this homeostatic range. If you have exercised and you've sweated a lot and you've lost a lot of fluid, then rehydrating is obviously important but also your thirst normally tells you that the only additional thing I would say is if you've sweated a lot you've often lost salt as well so either having like um what are they called like I guess a sports drink but I probably wouldn't have one that has a hell of a lot of calories in like this is another thing that I see people do like oh I'll have a Lucozade while I do my workout and it's got you know 100 sugar on, 100 <laughs> calories yeah sugar and you know if fat loss is your goal it's probably not what you want mm. but the electrolytes in it so you can get ones that are calorie free or just electrolytes especially if you've lost a lot of sweat that's quite important the other way that you'll get that in is just by having a mixed meal so if after your workout you're having a nice big healthy lunch and a glass of water you'll be absolutely fine So I think people can overthink that a little bit. And there is still this notion sometimes that drinking more water will aid fat loss. It doesn't directly. The only way that it could is if you're eating because you're bored or eating because you think you're hungry, but you're just thirsty. So, or slowing down. So I like to recommend that people have a glass of water with their meal partly because most people eat too quickly and so if you can drink a glass Mm. of water with your meal it kind of slows you down a little bit those those are the kind of things that's why water is important for fat loss but it doesn't directly mean that you lose more body fat yeah (laughs) I heard that um when you're thirsty that's that's you're too far gone you're already dehydrated I don't there's probably I know yeah I've heard I've heard that as well and it actually comes from a marketing campaign of a sports drinks company so obviously they want to hear that yeah there's no research behind that I'm so glad to hear that because that's a mind screw as soon as I'm thirsty I'm like shit I'm dehydrated (laughs) yeah get the liter out of water interesting cool yeah all right building muscle where do we start you know uh in terms of strength training what are we doing um and let's talk about people over 30 because 30 is the number (laughs) that you get oh really that yeah yeah 30 is when you need to build muscle because it diminishes uh was it 10 percent per Well, so this is, that's based on population norms. So on average, most people lose muscle as they age. Some people build muscle as they age. If you start resistance training at 30, you'll build muscle as you age. Like it, it's just, yeah, I think this is with a lot of things like the whole, there's research around 95% of diets failing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's on average because you're including really shitty diets as well. Yeah. But and yeah, on average, most people are more sedentary as they age. Mm. And then there are some hormonal changes as well, which make it more likely that you'll lose muscle mass. But you can absolutely 
work passes like I have clients that are 50 60 and still building muscle it's not impossible by any stretch of the imagination so yes it does become more important as you age partly for those reasons and just health reasons as you age like quality quality of life as you age is so so important yeah and especially women going through the menopause having more muscle mass is really helpful and when you lose estrogen it becomes a bit harder um but with hormone replacement therapy potentially you're offsetting some of that and men um slightly later on will start to reduce the amount of testosterone that they produce which means again you get reduction in lean muscle mass if you're not resistance training if you are resistance training and you are getting in enough protein and again this another thing that happens which is quite interesting is especially to men as they age and testosterone is reduced you need more and more protein to stimulate muscle protein synthesis so in a young healthy sensitive male or female you maybe need like 20 to 30 grams of protein to maximally stimulate that response as you age you need more and more protein so you might need up to double that amount to maximally stimulate muscle protein synthesis and this is also where the research behind again another sort of uh supplement marketing campaign of you need to eat uh you need to have protein within an hour after your workout you know the whole anabolic Mm. window thing for most people that anabolic window is more like this isn't my words but someone else said this like an anabolic uh garage door like it's it's a huge period of time in which you can get protein servings in but as you age this does become shorter so you're less sensitive to stimulation of muscle protein synthesis via nutrition i.e protein and via exercise so it's a shorter period of time that that's elevated and so getting in that protein during that shorter window is important and and the research behind that idea of one hour anabolic window all comes from elderly men so they, they took healthy men and they resistance trained them and they compared having a protein shake within an hour to a protein shake four hours after. And they realized that within an hour was more beneficial in terms of building muscle. Now in young, healthy people, that response isn't the same, but obviously that helps sell supplements because you're like, oh, you need to get this in within an hour. You don't have time to go home and have a meal. Yeah. Bam, bam, bam. So yeah, that's where that research comes from as well. Got me good. <laughs> Yeah. If we plateau in our training, what do we do? I think plateauing is completely normal and somewhat inevitable as you get better. Mm. So what can be quite disheartening is you've maybe, if you're new to exercise, and this is true for dieting as well, you see results pretty quickly, Yeah, especially with strength. So you might have gone from, I don't know, being able to bench press the bar to being able to bench press 30 kilograms pretty quickly. And you're like, why, why am I still on 30 kilograms when, you know, I put on, you know, I was able to lift 10 kilograms more in just a couple of weeks. And the stronger and stronger you get, the smaller, the, the increases in strength that you're going to see. So it's totally normal for you to plateau to an extent and whether that's a true plateau or whether you're just being impatient is like kind of the difference there like not all of the benefits you're never going to see them week on week it's too small to measure the same with scale weight like when you had 20 pounds of fat to lose you might have seen the scale weight drop every week and it was really motivating for you and now you've only got five pounds left to lose it's not going to drop every week in fact some weeks it might go up a little bit Mm. because you know there's normal fluctuations that come within that so I think just realizing that sometimes people are just being impatient and trusting the process a little bit. Okay. These are the fundamentals I need to do. And realizing that if you tick those boxes off, that's a successful week. This is how I gauge success with clients. It's not what the scales say. Yeah. We use measurements, loads of measurements, different measurements, but so not just the scales, but also progress photos, performance in the gym, um, measurements of different areas of your body, but most importantly, your process goals. So did you get your steps in this week? Did you stick to your calories? Did you hit your protein target? Did you get your workouts in? Did you sleep enough? All these things. If you've ticked all those, but the scales haven't gone down, that's a successful week. Yeah. Stick to the process. Mm. I've heard you say in 
uh, on your Instagram, walking and running for weight loss doesn't matter which you do. Can you explain that and break that down for us? Okay, so more broadly, exercise in general, it doesn't really matter what you do. So the reason that I have my clients resistance train isn't to lose body fat. It's to maintain or build muscle mass because I want the optimum body composition for them. And I think a lot of people get to the end of the diet and don't look like what they thought they would look like because they didn't build any muscle or they didn't maintain muscle. And you kind of get this like, going to use quotations, but like skinny fat look where you thought you were going to look really lean when you got, when you lost fat, but actually you don't because you didn't focus on resistance training. Mm. Um, when it comes to running or walking again, really the reason I said they're not that different in terms of fat loss is because the primary driver of fat loss, what's going to dictate your fat loss is energy balance. If you burn the same calories going for an hour's walk as you do going for a 45 minute run, it doesn't matter. Like it's still energy balance at the end of the day. Now there are different, obviously, stresses on the body for running and walking and you probably have to consider I mean this is quite marginal but I'm just going like for all the considerations here but excess post oxygen consumption of any exercise that's at a higher intensity so when you work over your aerobic capacity so if you're doing anaerobic metabolism you create what's known as like an oxygen debt which has to be repaid and this is the idea that I don't know if you heard this before, but HIIT training will have you burning more calories for the rest of the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So this is that kind of idea that actually you've kind of created this debt during anaerobic exercise, and then you need to repay that debt. So you'll keep burning slightly more calories after the workout. So there might be a small effect of that with running. Again, the magnitude of effect is really important. You're probably looking at burning depending on how hard you exercised, I don't know, an extra 50 calories or something. It's not, it's not a huge amount yeah. of difference. And actually most of the research suggests that untrained people won't train at an intensity high enough to actually it, yeah. produce much epoch anyway. So there's that element, but really the reason I said it doesn't hugely matter if you run or walk is if the energy that you expend during that exercise is the same, the result in terms of fat loss will be the same. Mm -hmm. Now that's excluding any human behavior changes that occur. So sometimes when you do a lot of cardio, you actually compensate that for that by either moving less or eating more. So that there's an element of that as well, that you need to understand that when you do certain exercise or when you change anything to do with your energy balance, there's an impact on human behavior and how someone responds to that. And that's obviously going to dictate the deficit that they end up creating and thus the results that they get so it's not quite as simple as we'll just reduce calories because sometimes when you reduce calories people reduce their energy expenditure which means you're not they're not in the same deficit that we might have expected but you might say i don't really want to reduce my calories so i'm just going to start running every morning and seeing if i can burn an extra 200 calories that will help me create a deficit it'll only help you create a deficit if everything else stays the same yeah all right, let's look at your non-negotiable recovery principles. Okay, um, sleep is a must. And I also think it's not just the time. I actually think going to bed and waking up at a set, uh, set time is quite important as well. <clears throat> so getting to a routine with that. Yeah. Um, getting enough protein. So I would say a minimum I mean, for optimal, probably something around two grams per kilogram body weight. But for most women, like a minimum of 100 grams split up into like 30-ish gram servings throughout the day. Um, not training too much is important. So having rest days, you can only recover from what you can adapt to. So doing more and more training isn't necessarily better and better if you're not recovering from it. Uh, so yeah, sleep, nutrition getting in enough calories, having rest days. That would probably be my fundamentals. Yeah. Brilliant. Nice and simple. When, um, when someone achieves their goal, what do you recommend the next best thing to do is? 
And I know you said before that it's important for them to always come up with their own goals. Um, But in terms of striving for that next goal, do you go bigger? Do you go to maintain, take a break and celebrate? Like. um I think maintenance is a goal. My goal yeah. now is is maintenance. I, I always want to be a little bit stronger, but I'm realistic that, you know, like it takes a lot of time and effort to do that and mm. I'm patient with it. So I'm just going to keep ticking all the boxes and I'm maintaining. And I think sometimes, especially with people who have struggled for a long time with fat loss, they never really think they're going to get there. And then when they do get there, you're like, okay, well, actually – what might be good now is to that might have been a focus of yours for actually a large part of your life mm. it's probably taken up a large part of your brain a large part of your effort and what you can do now is if you want redistribute that effort like yeah. once you're maintaining and you're confident that you're maintaining and this has become part of what you do and who you are and you're really into that good routine you don't need to put as much effort into it anymore and that means you can put more effort into other areas of your life and actually the confidence that you get from achieving something which is hard fat loss like fat loss is freaking hard especially if you've been trying to do it for your whole life and you finally achieve it like take that confidence that you can achieve hard things and put it into other areas of your life and be like okay right now I've got a lot of effort I can put into my friends my family my work life my career maybe I wanted to start a little side hustle whatever like (laughs) or maybe I wanted to do a hobby like it doesn't always have to to be focused on diet and exercise or what happens with a lot of people is during the process of fat loss or losing weight or whatever it is they they kind of fall in love with resistance training and maybe they decide they want to join a crossfit gym or they want to see how heavy they can lift or they've got performance goals they're really excited Mm. about so I, i mean for me most of the time as soon as i get close to a goal i'm more thinking like business kind of goals now i've already set a higher one I'm like oh yeah I mean that's great and I said that was a goal and I've achieved it but now I've got this goal and a lot of people do that with fitness as well they're like oh yeah I had a goal of doing 10 push-ups but now I'm doing eight like realistically in my head I'm I'm eyeing the goal of doing 20 or something so sometimes that happens naturally but sometimes it might just be like oh yeah that's just one area of my life now I'm a fit happy healthy person Mm -hmm. I'm going to work on maintenance but I'm going to put the rest of that effort into other areas of my life Mm-hmm. with that client who for example has been with you and the goal was to lose however much weight and they've done it how do you instill the confidence in them that they can continue to do or to keep it off to to keep that um going on their own well maintenance is the hardest part like losing fat actually isn't very hard and most people have done it in the past like most clients that come to me have lost weight in the past but they haven't been able to keep it off maintenance Mm -hmm. is the hardest bit and it's the most impressive part as well and most of my clients will stay with me for maintenance for at least a period of time to make sure that they can maintain it and and sometimes that is like I've just said three times it's the hardest part but it it really can be so making sure that you're in a good routine, you're confident that you can do that, that you're, you know, focused on doing that. And then, you know, if they if they decide they want to move on, that's absolutely fine. But don't, I think this is a trap a lot of people fall into is thinking that once they reach their fat loss goal, they're done and they can just like, mm. well, I mean, obviously they can leave whenever they want, but <laughs> th- th- they should just be like, well, I'm done with personal training now. Or yeah. I'm done with this coach now. Like actually... <laughs> the hardest part is the maintenance part and Mm. and I think sometimes that comes from shitty diets that don't support you after the diet but sometimes it comes from like the client themselves being like well I finished now okay well what happened last time you thought that you were finished when you reached x weight or something yeah you put the weight back on so it's getting out of this mindset of what you touched on before being on or off this isn't an on or off thing like you're not on the bandwagon or off the bandwagon like this is now your life. There is no on off. This is just what you do. It's who you are. So that getting that and really instilling that, that's kind of how you get long-term results. Brilliant. Emma, this has been so awesome. Tell us more about commit to six and everything else that you got going on. Oh, thank you very much. So commit to six is my group coaching program. You can learn more about it at esgfitness.co.uk. But basically everything we've spoken about is kind of how I coach on there and I instill these 
non-negotiables, these process goals. And I've got a group of coaches who help the clients and we all support each other towards our goals. And it's, it's an awesome community as well. So yeah, that's online group coaching, which I love. Yeah. And yeah, that's where you can find out more. And, and thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. <laughs> this has been fun. To, to finish off, let's go one more question. Mm-hmm. For those who feel stuck and they know they need to move and exercise, but they're feeling unmotivated, especially those here in Sydney who have just been announced we're in lockdown a little bit longer. What is the best way? An easiest way to start right now just start start small I think one thing that's really motivating is realizing how little you have to do yeah. to see really big results and we've spoken about that, that throughout this podcast but really like thinking about the law of diminishing returns and if anyone's listening to this and wants to know a little bit more about that just shoot I like <coughs> just shoot me a message and I will send you an article that I've written about it um I find that really really motivating because then you're like yeah do you know what I'm in lockdown I can't be bothered to do hours of training and you know I'm not motivated because I'm at home I don't have access to the gym but when you realize how little it takes to get good results or even to maintain your results while the gyms are shut Mm. really really important in fact there's a really cool study and I mean obviously in the UK we were in lockdown for quite a long time so there was a lot of like research around like how much people would lose and people were worried about losing their gains and things and there's some research on this and and one study in particular shows that even if you drop your training volume to 25% of what you were doing, you're able to maintain muscle mass, which is pretty incredible. So I think it comes back to, you touched on it before, all or nothing mentality. If I can't do all my training perfectly, I'll just do nothing. Nothing. Actually, if you can just get 25% of your volume in there, you'll be able to maintain and it's going to put you in such better place when you go back into training and things open up again so it's definitely worth doing and it will keep you focused during lockdown as well which is tough like I've been there I know it's I know it's not fun but it will get better and everyone will come out of it I'm sure eventually Emma you've been sensational thank you so much for your time thank you I've really enjoyed that she is so great if you want to find out more about her programs i will have all of those in the show notes and if you have any more questions for her go over to her instagram page at esg fitness where she's always answering follower questions so get on it if you loved this episode take a screenshot and tag me in your ig stories because i love seeing you guys enjoy the show and sharing it with your friends thank you so much for listening in as always i appreciate you have an awesome day week month and year and here is to a world of bodies built better